we pray this message blesses and encourages you. So we're in a series right now, I believe it's called Strong and Courageous, and we're going to keep going with that theme. Um, I don't know about how many of you, but there is a highlight in our year as a family, and that tends to be when we get to go away on holiday. Like, if I'm home, even if I'm off, I find that I always work. I've got that workaholic gene within me, so we do love to go away and just have some time and have some fun together as a family. A couple of years ago, we went to Egypt, never been there before. We found like a super cheap deal online, and we were like, heck yeah, let's go to Egypt. And we get off the plane, and we get taken to this beautiful resort, and as we're walking onto the resort, we're met by this guy who I'll refer to as Egyptian John because he said to me, you can call me Egyptian John and anything you need, anything you need whilst you're here with me, Mr. Luke, nothing is no problem. You need drinks, I'm your guy. You need anything in your room, I'm your guy. And I was like, Egyptian John, this is so great. We feel like family. This is amazing. Thank you so much. And he was just super kind. Like, Day two and day three goes past on the holiday, and we find that our hotel room is just getting super hot. Like, the, clearly something's going wrong with the air conditioning unit. Like, it's just not getting cold anymore. So Emma's giving me a bit of grief about this, you know, in the way that our loving wives can do that sometimes. And she's like, the room is boiling. You need to find Egyptian John. So I went running around the resort to find Egyptian John, and he, like, sees me from the other side of the pool, and he's like, hey, Mr. Luke, Mr. Luke, how's the holiday? And I'm like, Egyptian John, problem. And he's like, oh, no, what's the problem? I said, look, there's clearly a fault with the air conditioner because it's not working anymore. Like, the room is so hot, it's not getting cold, it's not chilling, like the air conditioner is broken. And he's looking at me like going, air conditioner, broken? And I'm like, Egyptian John, I need you to send the, the, the maintenance guy around to fix the air conditioner. And he's looking at me all confused, all confused. But eventually, I managed to persuade him to come around and take a look at the air conditioner. And he says to me, Mr. Luke, I fix, I fix, I fix. You go about your day, I fix. I'm like, this is great, this is awesome. So we went about the rest of our day, and we're by the pool, and we're having fun, and the kids are playing, and we're relaxing. We go back to the hotel at the end of the day. We open up the door, and we were just hit by this overwhelming heat. And now my wife is giving me one of those looks. You know, like the wife can give you sometimes as if to say, like, you had one job, and you didn't do it. Yeah. So I then have to run out again and find Egyptian John. And I'm like, Egyptian John, we've got a problem. The air conditioner is still broken. And he's looking at me going, no, Mr. Luke, Mr. Luke, I fix, I fix. I'm like, Egyptian John, it's bust. It's not working. It's clearly run out. It's empty. The air conditioner is empty. It's not working. And he's looking at me so confused. Now, at this point, it gets a bit weird. I'm not going to lie. So he takes me by the hand. And I've never been running around a swimming pool before with another Egyptian John in my life. So he takes me by the hand. And uh, he kind of marches me back to my hotel room. And he's looking at me so confused. He's going, but Mr. Luke, Mr. Luke, I fix, I fix. I'm like, John, you fix nothing, mate. Like, the room is boiling. And we go into the room. And he's like, see, I fix. And I'm like going, what? And he takes me by the hand. And he walks me into the bathroom. I told you it's getting weird, okay? And he starts to point towards the back of the sink, the basin. And he's looking at me so proud. He is elated. He is smiling. And he's going, see, Mr. Luke, I fix, I fix. And this 
is the picture that I had to take of what Egyptian John was pointing towards. He had placed 13 bottles of hair conditioner in our bathroom. I said, John, if there's one thing I do not need in my life, it's the hair conditioner. However, if you could fix the air conditioner, I would be really grateful. <laughs> because the truth is, there are just some things that you do not need in your life. <laughs> I want to talk to you about one of those subjects today that you absolutely do not need in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. And let me just go on record and say, if you're in church today, and this is the first time you've ever been over to St. Mark's, Maybe somebody's brought you. Maybe you're only here because it's someone that you really like and you're hoping that if you do church with them, they're gonna buy you dinner later on. Like, I just wanna let you know, however you've come to be in church today, man, you're so welcome. Or if you're tuning in online too, we're so incredibly grateful that you've taken a small window of your time to come and be in church today. I guess that what I wanna talk to you about primarily is from a Christian perspective. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to talk to you about one thing that I want to encourage you to live without. But even if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, or maybe you're still on your journey of faith, then this is still something that I think that you can apply to your life too. Because the one thing that I want to talk to you about living with a little less in your life is fear. If there's one thing that we all do not want to be carrying around in our life, it's fear. Another time we went on holiday, we had to go on one of these, um, they're called a power scuba. I don't know whether you've ever seen these, but they're like a device that you can typically hire on a beach. And what they are is they're a contraption that you hold in your hand like this and you submerge them underwater. And literally, wherever they will, wherever you point that device, it will pull you down. I mean, it's almost like being able to scuba dive. And if you had the mask and apparatus, you could even breathe underwater, which is pretty cool. Or you can free dive, holding one of these contraptions. But in essence, what they do is this. Wherever you point the power snorkel, wherever you point the power scuba, it will take you with it. Whatever direction it's facing, you're going that direction too. And I think that fear works in exactly the same way in our life too. Sometimes if fear starts to take you on a particular path or on a particular trajectory, that tends to be the direction that your life starts to head into. So my question is, is it possible for us all to live life with a little less fear? And there are so many things that we can fear from, and we're going to get into some of those. But as a follower of Jesus, is it even possible that we all can live life with just a little less fear? Because if you're anything like me, when there's an opportunity for you to become fearful over any particular area of your life, you're going to try and do your absolute utmost to avoid it at all costs. And why would you not? Nobody enjoys fear. When fear comes, we try and run away from it. When the storms of life come, what do we do? We try and outrun the storm. But let me ask you a question. How's that going for you? Because if you're anything like me, you'll have learned by now that it's pretty impossible to outrun a storm. And in the same way, it's oftentimes impossible for us to simply outrun fear. But what if God's word could bring some illumination on this subject for us all so we could just live with a little less fear? In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it actually gives us this great insight into how God wants you to be able to live your life. 
It says that for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. What I find is this. What I fear the most is where I trust God the least. What I fear God, what I fear the most tends to be where I trust God the least. And if you're anything like me, have you ever noticed how it's so easy to have great faith for somebody else's fear? Like, have you ever noticed how when somebody else, maybe a loved one, maybe a friend, maybe a family member, is going through something that is causing immense fear for them, have you ever noticed how you've got great faith for them? Like when they're going through a thing, you can stand in faith for them. You can pray for them. You can encourage them. Like when someone else is going through medical tests, they've just had the blood results come back, they've now been recalled for a scan, and now they're getting all fearful, they're getting scanxiety because they just don't know what's in their future on a health front. Have you ever noticed how when someone's sharing their story with you, you've got faith for the season of life that they're in. You can say to them, I'm gonna stand with you. I'm gonna pray with you. I'm gonna be believing God that this is all gonna work out for your good. But have you noticed how you feel when you're the one that's going through the health diagnosis? And how all of a sudden it's so difficult for you to be faithful when actually you feel like fear is about to get the better of you on a health front? It's exactly the same sometimes with financial pressure. Ever noticed that you've got a friend that's lost their job? How easy it is for us to say, I'll be praying for you. Hey, listen, don't worry about it. God's got this. And they're there pouring out their heart, unsure about how they're going to pay their rent, pay the mortgage, feed the kids. And you're adamant, God's got this. But when it's you that gets served with the redundancy papers, when all of a sudden something happens that takes you by a little bit of a blind side, and you're not sure how you're going to make the mortgage payments right now? How come you can have faith for everybody else, but when it's you that goes through it, you feel all of a sudden like your life has become ridden with fear? It's exactly the same when you've got something going on in your friendship group or your family. Like when a parent that you know is going through something with their son or their daughter. Man, you've got faith for what they're dealing with. But when it's your son that's off the rails, going a bit crazy, making decisions that you would hope that no son would ever make, all of a sudden you're like, God, do you know what I'm going through? Do you even care? Do you even have any idea what I'm dealing with here? And what do we do? We now start to become fearful. And do you know the reason why that is? It's because we all fear for our future. I don't fear for your future in the same way that you don't fear for my future. But when it's concerning my life and my kids and my family and my finances, I know exactly what it's like to fear for my future. The truth is, is that there are so many things in life that we do end up becoming fearful of that realistically, there's no need for us to be fearful for at all. I want to, in a moment, take a look at some Old Testament scriptures and stories. But I guess that what I want us to know is that there are many people recorded in scripture who seem to find this way of staying faithful to God and trusting in him, even though they were living in quite fearful times even though they had a future that was on their horizon that was definitely taking them by surprise, and yet somehow they were able to remain strong, solid, and constant in their faith to God. I don't know about you, but I would love to have a faith that's just like that. And there are many of them. 
I can think about Joshua. What about the time when he was crossing over the Jordan and he didn't really know exactly everything that was going to be on the other side. He didn't have a clue at that point in his life of the military might that he was going to have to face in his future. And he certainly wasn't sure about whether or not he would ever be able to overcome the challenges and the adversities. And yet somehow he found this way of continuing on his journey in life, remaining faithful and trusting in God. We could also talk about David, this young shepherd boy who at one point in his life had to face Goliath. And the truth is, he at the time had no idea how that thing was going to go down. I mean, he was a kid. He was a schoolboy delivering cheese sandwiches to his brothers who were in the army. He wasn't even yet a soldier. He wasn't even at fighting age. And yet somehow he was able to see that these taunts that were being made by Goliath were not just taunts at the army of Israel, but there was something within him that rose up and said, no, no, you are taunting the very God of heaven and earth, and I'm not going to stand in fear of you. We could talk about Paul from the New Testament, who the great apostle went around starting all of these small, low-key churches, these ecclesias all around the Mediterranean rim. And the reality of it is, is that when he was doing that, he had no clue whether this thing would ever take off. He did not know on the day that he was starting churches all around the Med Rim that we would be sat here in a church in Dublin today, lifting high the name of Jesus. He had no idea that that was going to be a consequence of his actions. And when you think of all of the troubles and the trials and the adversity that came against him, somehow he was able to remain faithful to God in it. And what I find with some of these Bible stories is that it can kind of create a little bit of a gulf for you and I today. Because we can read stories about David fighting Goliath and Joshua crossing over the Jordan, or we could even talk about Moses crossing over the Red Sea with the entrailing Egyptian armies of Pharaoh pursuing him, trying to kill him. We could talk about all of those things, and yet oftentimes, if you're anything like me, it can feel like there's just a little bit of a gulf there. It can feel like, oh, that's great for them, but I'm not sure that would ever work in my life. Like, it's great that they were brave and bold and strong and courageous, and they weren't overcome with fear, but I could never really see that being the reality of my life. I couldn't imagine that to be what I experience. I couldn't imagine me to live life with less fear when I'm going through a relationship breakdown. I couldn't imagine my life to have less fear if it was ever me that was going through the health challenge. And we kind of become almost overwhelmed by all of these different Bible stories that just tell us to trust in God, but practically can leave us sometimes feeling almost like, I need a little bit more to know about that. How can I practically live a life with a little less fear? Because the truth is, when we read some of these stories, we read about Moses and Pharaoh, for some of us, we're never going to stand in front of a national leader and have to declare to him or her, let my people go. It's just not our reality. We're not going to have to do the same thing. I mean, another tension is raised when you think about how many of us are actually going to literally stand in front of a seven, eight-foot giant, one of these sons of Anak, and actually try and fight him and take him out. Like, for many of us, that's probably not going to be our reality. So it can at times feel like there is this disconnect between these great, big, strong heroes of old. And what I love about these heroes of old is we get to look back on their life. We get to look back on their life 
knowing what we know now according to what's in the book today. We get to look back on their life knowing what's been written. So we get to look back on David knowing that he was bold and he was brave when he picked up and selected his five stones to go and throw them at Goliath. We get to know that now. But David didn't know that when he was stood in front of Goliath. He didn't have any hindsight. He didn't know for sure that that was exactly how it was going to work out. He was just a young shepherd boy trusting in God with all of his heart. He didn't know. He didn't have the ability to look back. In the same way that we get to now look back on the life of Moses and how he stood up against Pharaoh. Moses didn't know that at the time, that it was going to work out okay. Moses didn't know at the time that the Red Sea was going to open and it was going to swallow up all of the ensuing Egyptian army. Moses didn't get to look back in the same way that we get to look back now. We could talk about so many other characters. Let's talk about Joseph, the Old Testament Joseph. Joseph had no way of knowing in the way that we read about his life now and are able to look back and say, wow, we can see that God was with him all along. How incredible. He was thrown into a prison for something he didn't even do. And yet God was with him and God gave him favor. You know, when Joseph was thrown into the prison, he had no clue that he was ever going to get out of it. And yet somehow he was able to stay trusting in God and somehow find a way of doing life with a little less fear. We get to look back but none of those old Bible characters ever got to look back because they were living in the moment. It was their present reality. They didn't get to do what we get to do now. So my question is, what did they know back then when they couldn't look back and they could only look forward so that when we face dire situations and circumstances in our life and we're not afforded the opportunity to look back, what do we have to know in order to successfully be able to keep looking forward like they were able to keep looking forward? Because David didn't know. Moses didn't know. Joseph didn't know. Joshua didn't know that it was all going to work out and that they all needed to have not been living in grips with this sense of fear. They just didn't know. All they could do was look forward. Joseph didn't know that by forgiving his 12 brothers, it would one day see the 12 tribes of Israel being established. He didn't know of what the consequences of his decisions were actually going to be. And this is important for us to know because what we often want is what they did not have. We want the ability to look back and know that God's with us and God's for us. And no matter what we face, he's going to be in the fire alongside us. But they didn't know. And chances are, we're not going to know either. So when you don't know how things are going to end up, what can we all do to live life with just a little bit, fear, a little bit less fear? Because if we're going to be honest... How different would your life be if you had a little less fear going on? How much better would it be for you when you're going for the job interview to almost be able to approach it from a perspective of not having to be riddled with fear about whether or not you get the job or you don't get the job. You get the promotion or you don't get the promotion. What if there was something in scripture that we could turn to and look to before we go for the job interview? 
What if there was something in Scripture that we could turn to, that we could look at, that we could lean into before we sit down across the table from the doctor whilst he gives us a diagnosis, to just almost take the edge off going beyond a level of fear that we can actually cope with? What if there was something that we can do? And here's the thing. I think that Scripture is amazing, and this book of life, it breathes so much energy to my soul. And I hope that it becomes something that you pick up on a daily basis and almost say to God, I want you to speak to my soul. Because if you'll ask that question of our Heavenly Father, He will give you words of life and inspiration to get you through whatever it is that you're facing. Because what we find in that book is there is much that God has to say about how we can live life at times with just a little less fear. I guess that there is an ancient piece of text that we're all aware of, we're all familiar with, and we're gonna look at it in just a moment, but it's a piece of text that's almost so common to us that the real danger is, is that we fleet over it, almost not giving it the observation that it requires in order for us to glean from it everything that God has intended for us to learn from it. It's the kind of scripture that we've heard so many times, but what if this scripture contained within it some secret keys that would be the answer so that when you're approaching whatever it is that you're approaching, you could live life with a little less fear? What if within this scripture there were some clues, some secrets, that when you're going through what you're going through with your daughter, who's going off the rails and going crazy and making life choices and life decisions. And now you can't even sleep because you're so worried about how life is gonna turn out for her. What if there was something in scripture that would encourage us about how we can get through that? What if there was something in scripture that when you're lonely and feeling lost because you can't find a marriage partner, if there was something in scripture that would just take the edge off the fear so that it wouldn't overcome us to the point at which we say, well, God, do you know what I'm going through? Do you care? Are you even aware of what I'm trying to deal with? What if there was some secrets in scripture that perhaps we even know, but we just fail to recognize them because it's scripture and stories that are so common that we miss the greatness contained within them, that if we were only able to grasp them, you and I can live with a little less fear. Well, I actually think that there is such a scripture, and it's a portion of scripture where God is giving the instruction to Joshua about all that is to come, and I want to read this scripture out, and then afterwards, I'm going to tell a couple of stories, but I want there to be just two things that you pick up from this scripture that might help you understand how God can help you live with less fear. So let's go into Joshua 1, verse six. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever Ever you go, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written within it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong, be courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
this passage of text is spoken to Joshua when everything around him is changing. And some of you know what that's like too, to feel like everything is changing and it's changing at a pace that you can't even catch your breath. Well, I think that's the season that Joshua's life is in in this moment too. He's recently found out that his leader, Moses, is now dead, his spiritual guide, his mentor, and now it's the time where it's tag your it, Joshua, you're now entrusted to be responsible to take care of over two million people. I mean, talk about pressure. I mean, this guy is, is experiencing a changing set of circumstances. And I would imagine that there are moments in the stillness of the night where he's probably saying, God, I don't know what to do here. I have no clue what I'm supposed to do with all of this that's brand new to me. And here we find the God of heaven and earth, the one who intricately knows every single part of the fabric of our being. He created even the very structure and essence of our DNA. And now he's speaking into Joshua's core. He's speaking into the depth of his soul. He's now trying to impregnate Joshua's heart with something that is gonna be key and vital that Joshua has to know, that Joshua cannot miss that Joshua cannot keep going. If he goes any further without this, then he's never gonna make it. Then he's never gonna last. Then he's never gonna endure the test of time. Then he's never gonna be able to get over the hill. He's never gonna be able to deal with the circumstances that surround him. Life is gonna take him out. People are gonna take him out. Armies are gonna take him out. Unless he knows of this one thing that God is secretly trying to tell us today through this scripture as he drops it in to Joshua's soul. Because notice that God does not tell Joshua what is in his future. He tells him how to face his future. He doesn't tell Joshua everything that's going to come. He tells him nothing about what is ahead, but he tells him how he can face all that is ahead. And what does he say? What is the instruction? What is the one thing that he drops into his soul that I want us leaving, to ch leaving church today knowing, having had the same thing dropped into our soul too? It's simply this. Be strong no matter what is facing you. Be strong no matter what is coming against you. Stand up and be strong no matter what's happening in your finances. Be strong, non-dependent of what is happening in your family arena right now. But being strong means being able to withstand force and withstand pressure. If you're a follower of Jesus today, do you know that that's the calling that is placed on your life? You are called to be strong and withstand pressure, withstand the force, withstand the exertion at times even of the enemy so that no matter what comes against you, it shall not prosper. But God speaks to Joshua's soul saying, Joshua, it's not that difficult. Just keep standing and be strong. And also, be courageous. In other words, don't be deterred by the pain that comes your way because there are gonna be times when you're gonna feel the pain. Even Sean's sharing his story about what he and Susan have been through these last couple of years. Let me tell you, they've not gone through that 
and not experienced the pain, but they have been strong and courageous. That's why they, for me, if I lived in Dublin, they'd be leaders that I would follow. Hands down, I would come to this church, I would serve them, I would say, you asked me the question already because my answer is yes. Because when you're courageous, you're not deterred by pain. You're not scared off at having to stand and choose to be brave. And that's what God was trying to instill within Joshua's heart. He was saying, look, I'm not gonna tell you what's ahead of you. I'm not gonna tell you what's in front of you. I'm not gonna tell you what's in your future, but I will tell you how to face your future. Be strong. Be courageous, be strong, courageous. I was in the police for 11 years actually, and um, this is my 10th year now of having left the police and being full-time as a minister. But I can remember when I had the decision to make about how I was gonna leave the police, we, I mean, my family and I, we, we bet the farm, we cashed in, We cashed in our life savings, we cashed in my pension, we sold everything in our house, like honestly, everything. We we sold um, the running machine, which meant that Emma couldn't have a place to hang her washing anymore. Um, I sold my bike, I sold my car. There is nothing, the only thing that we decided to keep was the kids, and even one of them was very close to going on eBay, I'm just saying, you know? But when the choice came, to leave the police, my boss came round to my house to talk me out of it. And he said to me this, he goes, Luke, you're crazy. He goes, you're crazy for two reasons. He goes, nobody leaves the police because it's almost impossible to get sacked, which was comforting. And he said, "Um, you're gonna be walking away from a phenomenal, pensionable salary. You're gonna be walking away from everything. He said, I've got an idea for you. Rather than leave the police, because nobody goes to church in the UK anymore and you want to start one that no one's ever going to come to, why don't we put you on a career break? Because what that means is I can freeze your pay, freeze your pension, and you don't have to sacrifice everything. But when this church thing doesn't work, then you can just ring me up and I can get you straight back in and you'll come back in at your high salary that you're walking away from. Your pension will be froze and you'll come right back in at that level of pension. In other words, no matter what happens with your church, go play church. You know, this will be lovely. Go play church for a little while. And then when that fails, just come back. And I'm gonna be honest with you and say, if there was ever a time that that made so much sense to me, It just felt like that would be the right thing to do because it just made sense on paper. I mean, we were struggling. We were going to struggle to pay our bills. We were not going to be able to take a salary from the church. My salary between the both of us, our first salary was £350 a month, which try and pay a mortgage and feed your kids on £350 a month. Like, Like I knew what we were walking into. So on paper, that made so much sense to me. So I I actually said to this guy, I said, hey, let me think about it. I'll ring you up tomorrow. And that night I was praying about it. I told Emma that what I was planning on doing, I was going to take a career break. And Emma said, well, if that makes sense to you and you feel that's the right thing, then you should do it. And then that night I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit almost challenge me to say like, are you not doing what's easy over what's right? 
and I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to be that pastor. So I rang up my boss and I said, no, no. I said, I'm going to burn all the plows. There's no plan B. And we're going all in. Here's my letter of resignation. It's signed. It's done. I quit. I'm out. And he's going, you are crazy. You know, for the following four years, we didn't even grow to 100 people. Try taking a salary with 100 people. You've no idea of what that financial pressure is when you can't pay your mortgage, you can't pay your bills, you can't buy your kids trainers. I don't know what it's like in Dublin, but in Liverpool, like all the kids have got Nike Air Max trainers, right? And it doesn't matter how much you tell them that Lonsdale is a great brand from Sports Direct, they, will, they would not believe me. So maybe it's different over here. But do you know how difficult it's been as a dad to say to my kids, I'm really sorry, like you've got 11 pound trainers on and all of your mates have got really great trainers. Like, do you know how much of a failure that, may, that has made me feel? Do you know how much of a failure it is when your wife says, hey, have you got any money for petrol in the car? And I'm like, I got nothing. I'm, I'm all out. And she's like, have you got a credit card we can use? And I'm going, I maxed them all out already. Like we're done. I felt in that time then, the call on my life was to try and be strong and courageous. Because if I wasn't willing to show to God, I was willing to be strong and courageous. How could I ask anybody else to ever be strong and courageous? This Christmas, <laughs> 2,000 people came to church in Liverpool. And... I'm not even saying that for a clap, but I'm saying that because this is what I wonder. I wonder whether even any of them would ever have come if I didn't mark a time in my life where I couldn't see my future, but I felt that God had given me the clue and the secret and the keys for how to face my future. I wonder whether that perhaps wouldn't ever have happened if I didn't choose to be strong and brave and courageous. And rather than doing what was easy, instead I chose to do what was right. And I think that what I wanna encourage you with today is this. What is there in your life that you feel the prompting of God's spirit to encourage you to be strong and courageous? Because he will not tell you what is around the corner and that's what we want. But he will tell you how to go around the corner. I actually thought that the worship team was singing, you never walk alone, especially for me in light of the recent news of Jurgen Klopp's departure, which um, we're not gonna talk about uh, in church. But there's one thing that I know about God is that if you're willing to keep standing and not quit and keep trusting and keep choosing to be brave, to be strong and courageous, he's never gonna show you what's around the corner but he will walk with you around the corner. So I guess that even though there are many things that you will not know how they are gonna work out in your life, and neither is God gonna tell you, our responsibility is to be strong and courageous when you get a medical diagnosis. Be strong and courageous. When you're facing redundancy and you don't know how it's gonna go in the business, be strong and courageous. When you're trying to reach into someone's life who doesn't want to follow Jesus, and every time you invite them to church, they keep saying no, be strong and courageous. When you're facing a bullying situation in work and it feels cruel, mean, and unkind, follower of Jesus, 
be strong and be courageous. Because even though you do not know what is around the corner, he will walk with you around the corner if you will be strong and courageous. St. Mark's, can you stand to your feet? Let me pray for you all. I don't know whether this is what you normally do. I'm just thinking this is what we do in my church. So uh, welcome to Liverpool One Church today. (laughs) Can we just close our eyes and bow our heads real quick? We're going to pray and then we're going to worship some more. Heavenly Father, you know how the fabric of our life has been knit together by you in a way that is so unique and special. And God, you know of every single day of our life and every moment before it's ever even been a thought that's been conceived within our mind's eye. Lord, I pray today for every person that is going through a thing and feels like fear is taking them out. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, today we'd leave church knowing and feeling and sensing like you're with us, like you're walking alongside us, that we're not alone. And as we choose to fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, we choose to trust in you and in your unfailing grace and love and compassion towards us, knowing and believing that you've got a good plan for us. Help us to stay strong and not quit and not look left or to the right, but instead in the times when we feel like walking away, help us to receive your instruction to be strong and courageous, to be bold, to be brave. And even though when we cannot see what is in front of us, help us to live out how you want us to face that which is in front of us all. And we ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like any more information, please visit stmarkcity.ie. A blessed week.